welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. That will not mind be done. Okay, I'm Steve. I'm a sexaholic. Hey, Steve. Um... This is Sobriety 101, and we are back uh, at the beginning of May 2015 to continue our study of overcoming lust and temptation from the white book. Last time we got up to page 162, I believe, and... um, so far, I'm going to go to page 77 and start, as we often do, with the reading, uh, How It Works, The Practical Reality, um, and stress the points that I think need to be stressed over and over um, for, for uh, a recovery program that includes sobriety. Wayne, would you read that for me, please? Uh, as far as the page 77. Everything begins with sobriety. Um, now start, start from this title. Okay. I'm a lady sexaholic. Really? This title is adapted from Chapter 5 of Alcoholics Anonymous entitled How It Works. The book's Alcoholics Anonymous and 12 Steps and 12 Traditions, <clears throat> the 12 and 12, constitute the basic text of the original 12-step program. This section is not intended to be a comprehensive exposition of the steps. Our, our aim here is to try to get at the essential purpose of each step or group of steps so that they can be readily put into action. The essay program is a program of action. Everything begins with sobriety. Without sobriety, there is no program of recovery. But without reversing the deadly traits that underlie our addiction, there is no positive and lasting sobriety. To recover from a life based on wrong attitudes, self-obsession, separation, false connections, blindness, and spiritual death requires a program of action that includes a fundamental change in attitude, character change, union, the true connection, self-awareness, and spiritual life. Working the principles of the steps as a new way of living has made this happen for us. No matter how well they are explained, understood, or believed, however, the steps mean nothing unless they are actually worked out in their thinking and living. The steps don't work unless we work them. Okay. Um, thank you. So, um, just a couple of things to stress here. Um, uh, over and over, you know, there's a place in the big book where Bill is on page uh, 62, the AA big book, where Bill will look at it uh, uh, sometime uh, uh, in the next few months. But, there's a couple of paragraphs where Bill says over and over and over, self is the problem. 
but he very cleverly disguises it in different ways. So it sounds like he's saying something different in each sentence. But if you go back and read it, the only thing he's really saying is that self is the problem. Self is the problem. The other, and the other thing is God is the solution. Now you could say self is the problem, God is the solution. Nice and simple. Bill apparently thinks we're hard of hearing because he says the same thing over and over and over. And since he's a gifted salesman, he dresses it up um, um, in, in different ways. Um, now, I can't, I'm not nearly as gifted as Bill, um, but I also think we're hard of hearing. I think that sexaholism, among other things, is a hearing disorder, as well as a learning disorder and many other kinds of disorders, all rolled into one. So I repeat myself, and hopefully it's not too rude. If I sat here and said the same thing over and over and over, one right after the other, you'd probably think I was being kind of rude. And I would be. Um, of course, you know, I'm also hoping that, uh, that uh, things that I might say can save somebody's lives away, uh, the, thing people, uh, the things people said when I came in here over and over and over again saved my life. So the thing that I want to say and, and point out again is that SA is a program that in its history uh, is, is based upon a member named Roy who in 1974 read an article in Times Magazine. It was April the 22nd issue, as a matter of fact, so uh, about uh, four, uh, 41 years ago. Um, around this time of year, he read an article in Time Magazine on alcoholism. And he realized that his sexual addiction was like the alcoholic, alcoholic's addiction to alcohol. And so he came up with the idea that he might find recovery by going to AA and having someone help him, finding someone who could help him work the AA program on his sexual addiction. And that's in fact what he did, and that's what led to the founding of our fellowship. At that time, there were no SA meetings. Roy had to attend AA meetings. There were no SA sponsors. Roy had to find an AA sponsor. And he worked through the steps out of the big book and the 12 and 12. And he's stating very clearly that these constitute the basic steps of the original program. He then goes on to say, this is not intended to be a, this section in the white book is not extended, extended, intended to be a comprehensive exposition of the steps. Now, um, he, he writes, uh, about 80 pages from page 77 to 155. Uh, he writes uh, 80 pages and change on the steps. Uh, but he does not intend this to be our basic text for working the steps. So he refers us to the 12 and 12 and uh, the, the big book. In particular, the big book has instructions for how to work each step. So I think that just, I want to stress that over and over. Uh, it's the, uh, the, the way our fellowship works, and it's where the, the directions for, for working the steps come from originally. So, um, and then the other thing, uh, and this talks about the essay program being a program of action. That is, the, the, the AA program is a program of action. We try to learn everything we can from AA literature and apply it to our lust addiction. And uh, then the second thing that it says here is that everything begins with sobriety. Without sobriety, there is no program of recovery. Now, 
then it goes on to say how we have to go beyond mere abstinence and 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 have a have a fundamental change in attitude with the with the AA uh, uh, steps call, uh, what our what the steps call a, a spiritual awakening. Um, but but I want to stress the first two sentences. Everything begins with sobriety. Without sobriety, there is no program of recovery. It's very easy to try to get into progress. Um, say progress, not perfection. When what that means is, well, I'm just relapsing uh, less often and with less consequences, and so that's progress. And we really uh, need to be careful if we're true sexaholics. We need to be careful about that because that can be a deception that can cost us and other people a lot of of, of problems. It mentions spiritual death here. And I want to, and, and there's many places in the book where it says lust kills, either spiritually or in some other way. Um, it's apparent to me, I don't know how obvious it was to Roy at the time that he was writing this, but um, it's obvious to me from my experience that sexaholism kills literally as well as spiritually. And, and I think it's very important uh, for us to not minimize the damage that our that our active disease does. Okay, um, end of sermon. At least the first one. Um, I'd say I'd say I'll stop, but I won't. So I, uh, anyway, um, so let's go to page one sixty two, where we were um, looking at. The 18-wheeler, as it's called, uh, there's 18 points in the section called Overcoming Lesson Temptation, and we're on number 10. Would you read that for me, please, Lee? Yeah. Number 10, learn to give instead of take. This technique worked on lust, too. Whenever I catch a likely image in the corner of my eye, and instead of obeying the impulse to look and drink, I keep looking straight ahead while praying for the person. It might be a simple, God bless her and give her what she needs. Or depending on the intensity of the lust stimulus, it might be more fervent. God bless her and make her a blessing. Thy will be done in her life. I began doing the same for models and ads that had a similar power over me. Whenever I do this kind of thing, I feel good. I get something back that is clean and strong and free and good. I somehow become a channel for releasing good into me instead of opening up a conduit of lust for evil to come in. The measure I drink in of that image is the measure I'm enslaved by it. The measure I give out to another is the measure I'm released from its power. Plus, it's so much easier to give than try that old self-mortification kind of willpower. Try it sometime. You cannot lust after the one you're praying for in such a manner. Here's an experience related by a woman member. I remember early in the sobriety seeing a very suggestive video in a department store. I got down, I got drawn into it, and before I knew what hit me, the image took me over. So I started praying for that singer over and over, and it worked. I've tried this many times since, and it always works for me. This action may also serve to make indirect amends to all the anonymous objects of my lust and sex acts. Those many strangers I have helped confirm in their destructive way of life. It seems to be a law of the universe. The measure I give is the measure I get back. Good, good, good. Thank you. Um, 
So again, uh, we, we see the importance of prayer. Last time uh, we uh, read uh, on 161 that we can uh, pray for persons that we resent in order to be free of resentment. And we read from the big book uh, specifically how to do that. Um, there's a huge negative force um, within us um, that uh, is... Uh, generating uh, these these symptoms such as resentment and fear and lust, and uh, prayer is is a is a decision to turn away from the appetites that that force will play on. Um, I you know I, lust is an appetite that's out of control, and what do I mean by that? I mean that um, an appetite, a natural appetite. Uh, is a request from my body, uh, which it could become a demand, but, but in the beginning, it, it, it's, a, it's a request that increases my interest in, in, in acquiring something like food. Uh, I'm hungry, I haven't eaten in a while, and my body says, hey, let's eat. And if I uh, acquiesce to that appetite, then the hunger goes down. And that's a natural appetite. But in addictions, the reverse is the case. When I try to accommodate uh, an addictive appetite, well, the appetite increases after, after every more. The more I take, the more I want, and so that's out of control. Um, when an appetite gets strong enough, it can override. The circuits in our the brain the circuits in our brainstem override the circuits higher up in our brain, and we will act without uh, mental control over what we're doing. So um, the impulse to look and drink is coming from that unnatural appetite, and if we accommodate it, then the appetite will increase. If we instead direct our attention, this is an effort of the will. Now we're not powerless. Uh, we're powerless over lust. We cannot by ourselves, uh, you know, overcome lust. But with our will, we can direct our attention to some something else. The appetite wants us to lust. Our will can say, "I'm going to seek God," and tr- and I have an appetite for God. I'm going to turn my attention to that. And when that appetite gets filled, well, I have power, more and more power, to say no to that unnatural appetite. And it passes. So this thing about giving instead of taking is doing just that. I am, instead of accommodating my self-centeredness, I am uh, seeking uh, to be who God would have me be. And this prayer is an example of that. Um, it's, it's a very good prayer. And there are a number of prayers in the 18-wheeler. Um, we've already talked about uh, uh, the one uh, in, in point nine. Um, there is the third step prayer mentioned in uh, step seven. Um, uh, and we haven't done so yet. There's a cry on page 159, I'm powerless, please help me. That is a prayer. Um, we are going to um, 
try to stress the prayers in here and um, uh, the the prayers that are in here uh, in, in overcoming lust and temptation are especially valuable in turning our attention away from lust thoughts. So um, I started praying for that singer over and over. Now, you know, I, I use this uh, with the um, the old saying, you know, by your fruits, by their fruits, you will know them. Um, what works is what I keep doing. And I think it's possible for me to mentally say, I'm going to pray for that person and just use that as an excuse to keep thinking about that person. So that that's not likely to work. But I believe, you know, it's very, very uh, uh, it's very, very typical for a member to find that this sort of prayer helps us change our attitude from one of taking to one of giving. And taking feeds the um, uh, addictive uh, cycle. Uh, giving feeds the recovery cycle. Um, Finally, the thing that I have here that I very recently uh, was discussing with my sponsor, it says, the measure that I give is the measure. It seems to be a law of the universe. The measure I give is the measure I get back. And we we love that. Um, uh, but we just wanted to say that in our experience, what we get back is much more than what we give. So... Uh, you know that that I think that's important for selfish people like us to remember, because if we just got back the same, we'd be you know oh I can take it or leave it. But we give a little and we get so much more back. So I think I think that's a a great a great truth about about God's generosity. Do you have any questions or comments that you want to share about this based on your experience? Yeah, I mean <laughs> the sentence that hit me is in that last paragraph. It's Actually, the sentence right before your last sentence is, um, you know, praying for the indirect amends to the non- anonymous objects of my lust and sex acts, those many strangers I have helped confirm in their destructive way of life. Um, I never thought about it from that angle, uh, from acting out. I mean, you know, when I'm acting out with, with myself, using pornography, I'm only aiding into the destruction of myself, um, yeah, I could be hurting, I guess, family and friends because I'm isolating. You know, I, I would, you know, go isolate and act out with myself and go to family events. Um, but then I think of the many strangers I have acted out with and how sick some of them, a lot of them, if not all of them, were. I mean, some of them were married, you know, and I'm, I'm having affairs and I don't know. This is that just struck me as a new way of of seeing what else my disease has done. You know, it has taken me to go help in the destructive behavior of someone else. Yes, yes, yes. And let me take that one step further. Yes. You said that acting out with pornography only hurts me. I, I'm going to argue, uh, and I yeah. don't, and I don't think this is abstract. Uh, that when I consume pornography, I contribute to a business which supports people um, uh, either voluntarily or under duress, you know, 
exposing themselves to being violated in some way, violating that, you know, legally, you know, being raped on camera or or um, uh, just violating themselves in a spiritual way. So so even it's very easy uh, for pornography to feel, feel like I'm not harming anybody else by doing pornography. Um, but, but that's very insidious. Um, and, and, uh, it's kind of a form of self-deception. So, so I just, I, I want to, I want to, um. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. It, it's hard, it's harder to realize. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's much harder to realize, but it, but it, it's a good thing for me to expose, uh, since I'm seeking to kind of shine the light on the truth, the ugly truth about what, what's happening when this disease is active. Other other thoughts there? Um, no, I mean, I'll just, there's, you know, a good section there, a highlight in my book. <laughs> okay, um, you know, before we, before we go on, I, I should have done this at the beginning, but it just occurred to me, I'd like to kind of summarize real quickly what we've already talked about in this section. Um, uh, number one, stop practicing the compulsion. Uh, number two, stop feeding the obsession. Um, it's really important if I say that I want to stay sober, uh, you know, for me to take the actions that go along with a desire to stay sober, and I've got to stop. Um, now, if all I do is stop, then I'm powerless, and I'm going to start again, which I've proven a thousand times or more in my experience, many, many, many times. Um but but um, if I in if I stop and work the program, it says everything begins with sobriety. I can um, uh, find the power uh, that will solve my problem, as it says in the AA Big Book. And so part of the the ways uh, the part of the things of finding that power is getting rid of all the little stashes I have. Um, uh, and you know the 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 uh, eliminating what was under my control, uh, all the printed and visual materials, and to stop using TV, movies, and music that feed my addiction. Uh, looking around or using and listening to the language of lust, talking in ways that feed my lust. Um, the uh, fellowship is um, very important, and that's where I feel a part of. It's wh- where I also see other people who are working the program, and, and it, 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 it gives me a positive peer pressure. Admitting powerlessness, he begins to, to try to... Um, to um, uh, he begins. He begins to start talking about surrender here, which is in the next point. But you know, you you may not realize that that uh, you know you have you have a <laughs> powerlessness if you are acting in the addiction. You may feel like you could control it. Um, well, if you do number one, uh, then you can really. It get to number four, but I, I've seen many people who want to do number four without doing number one. You know, and they say, "Oh yeah, I'm powerless," and then they keep doing number one. Well, I would say 
that if I uh, claim that I have admitted I'm powerless to do something, and yet I'm still trying to do it, then that's my admission is kind of uh, meaningless. If I say I cannot lift 2,000 pounds, and there's a 2,000-pound barbell on the floor, and I say, I, I am powerless to lift this. And then you see me keep trying over and over. I'm powerless to lift this, you know, but I keep trying to do it again. I, I really haven't accepted the fact that I can't do it. My actions say that. So I think that's an important part also of surrender. Surrender is not trying harder. Um, uh, and uh, that's the next point is, is number five, surrender. Um, the... Uh, uh, Roy identifies this with the second step. And so it's clear, number four and number five, he's talking about the steps here. He's not giving the 18-wheeler as a replacement for the steps. He talks about working the steps uh, throughout. So the, it, this assumes that you're working the steps on the side. Number one, staying sober. Number two, working the steps, and then applying these points. I, I think a lot of times we try to do the cafeteria style, just take what we want and leave the rest. And that may be uh, what some people mean by half measures. Six, bring the inside out. Um, shine a light on things, what we just, just said a moment ago. Uh, seven, trust. And we talked about how trust is about action, not about a feeling. Belief is watching a guy push a wheelbarrow across the tightrope. He's a circus tightrope walker. I believe he can do it. Trust is getting in the wheelbarrow. That's a different level of belief. And so we have to live as if we, we trust God, even if we don't feel like we do. That's, that's, that's what matters is, is our action. Using the literature, very important. Uh, the difference between spiritual literature and uh, ordinary literature, we are reading not for information, because uh, then once we read something, it's old news, like a newspaper. Uh, we are reading for, um, uh, we are reading to open ourselves for God to speak to us through that literature. And, and we can read something in a very different way than we did the last time we read it. So it's helpful to read the literature. Uh, there's a limited amount of literature, and we, we end up reading things over and over. But um, as we mentioned before, when Bill was saying, something over and over, and I'm saying something over and over. Uh, it seems that many of us need that. I certainly do. And then last, we talked about the, the defects um, and uh, the necessity to keep working on our, um, you know, all the rest of the things in that paragraph that, that started with everything begins with sobriety. This is, this is part of the process, work on the other defects. You know, this is this is steps four through seven. Um, it mentions step three and number seven, the third step prayer. Uh, it even talked uh, in number six. It talks about steps four and five, uh, steps five and ten. So again, we're we're going through. You know, these these are points that put the principles behind the steps in action. And of course, um, of course, that 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 includes working the steps with a sponsor. I think we may get to something like that on the next point. Um, so let's. Uh, why don't you read that one to me? Okay. Um, Number eleven. Get get an essay sponsor. 
I needed someone who could see me better than I could, even though he might have had some problems of his own. Everyone I used as a sponsor had imperfections big enough to turn me away if I wanted such an excuse. It was my reaching out and taking direction that worked. I made regular contact and followed directions. It helped me be teachable and saved me a lot of grief and lost time. Okay. Well, um, you know, one thing I can't say is that after working the steps and, 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 and coming to meetings for X amount of time that I've done with all my character defects and, and I no longer have any. I can't say that. And so I like that part. It says everyone I used as a sponsor had imperfections big enough to turn me away if I wanted such an excuse. Um, once I sponsored a man who um, <clears throat> relapsed numerous times while I was working for him, he struggled with um, with um, following directions. He loved some of the things that he was reading and some of the things we were talking about. And he says, wow, that's really great, and blah, blah, blah. But he would not apply them with action. And one night, as he had many times in the past, uh, I, you know, he, he stayed up until the wee hours of the morning looking at pornography. And, and early in the morning at like 6 a.m., when it was time for him to go to work and he hadn't had any sleep, he decided to write me an email. And in this email, he complains that, um, uh, uh, the 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 way that I was sponsoring him was the problem, and um, and uh, I disagreed with that. And so he he found an AA pamphlet uh, on sponsorship, and he highlighted all these things that he said that I was doing wrong. And um, and uh, you know one of the things that he didn't like was he didn't like uh, directions. He didn't want me to say do this or do that. You know he wanted me to 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 ask him or, or I don't know. He just wanted me to change something. And you know I, I think my character defects were probably engaged in that particular moment. But you know we we decided that that that. The sponsorship arrangement wasn't wasn't working for for either of us, and that we should do something else. But it, it's very clear here that in the SA program, and in my experience in the AA program as well, I made regular contact and followed directions. Uh, it was my reaching out and taking direction that worked. That's the thing that worked for me, and and apparently for Roy also. And being teachable. Uh, saved me a lot of grief and lost time. I wish I had become teachable sooner. Um, so, um, you know, and, and the sponsor, there's a lot of sponsors out there, and you can probably find a sponsor who will um, enable your disease instead of your addiction if you want to. Uh, I mean, instead of your recovery. Um, but, but the ones that I know that have long, solid recovery, the longer they, you know, stick around that the more they seem to be uh, you know uh, fans of working the steps so anyway um, you got any experiences with the sponsorship um, no I mean I, I just I know I see in, in my experience it takes my reaching out and me taking direction um, once I started doing both of those um you know, obviously with the main focus on the 12 steps, though, but 
I'll start seeing progress. Slight progress, but progress nonetheless, you know. Um, and I guess what's that saying? A lot of people say is, you know, you hand your, your, your car keys over, let someone else drive your car, you know, in the re recovery program. Um, that's definitely been the truth for me, you know, learning to take direction and, and go with it. Yeah, yeah. That is a good analogy. I like that. Um, one thing that I think would be a good thing to do here is this uh, section, uh, number 11, is get an essay sponsor. And there's a section on page 72 called getting an essay sponsor. So I think we read this a few months ago, but I think it would be helpful to, to look at this again. So you want to go to page 72 and um, read for me there? Okay. Getting an essay sponsor. As we get into the steps, we find it indispensable to rely, to rely for help on those who have gone this way before. In 12 steps programs, the term commonly used is sponsor. What we call the person doesn't matter, and we don't have to call them anything. Asking for help and accepting suggestions are what bring results. Mm -hmm. Experienced members advise getting a temporary sponsor as soon as one is serious about recovery. Later, when we are better established in the fellowship, we can choose another. We don't have to get married. We can just make an arrangement of convenience uh, that, that works for the, for the moment. Okay? Withdrawal from our addiction may leave us in a state of emotional and spiritual shock that can persist for some time. Our sexualism has so separated us from reality and others that we may appear to others as being not there. We cannot see the truth about ourselves because we are lost inside ourselves. And for some time, we suffer from tunnel vision, nearsightedness, farsightedness, astigmatism, yeah. or all of them put together, anything but normal vision. Some, some gentle or not so gentle holding up in the mirror and, and prouding, prodding are usually necessary. And above all, we need the example of a life that's making it. We take responsibility for our own recovery, but we don't remain isolated and in charge of it. We surrender to God and take the direction from the sponsor. Thus, we go to the meetings and start making our connection with people. Alone, we cannot make the transition to reality. So there, there, you know, like that thing you said about the car. Because, yeah. you know, if I drive the car and keep wrecking it, you know, I've got the car and I've got keys to the car. I own a car, but I can't get anywhere because... You know, I can't drive worth, right. worth diddly. And so if I find a driver who's capable of driving, I turn the keys over to them, then I can ride along. Only thing is, is sometimes I have to go where he wants to drive me. <laughs> and if I say, it's my car, give me, the, give me the wheel, get out of here, then I end up back in the ditch. So, okay. And I've done that. <laughs> me too. <laughs> me too. Okay. So, perfection? Perfection in the sponsor is neither necessary nor possible. Taking the action of getting out of ourselves is what is what counts, even though this may not be what we feel like doing. The sponsor can help us conquer the delusion that we should only do what we feel like doing. Take the action, the sponsor says, and the feeling will follow. If you wait for the feeling first, it will never happen. We discover that in death, ego deflation is one of the keys to sobriety and growth. And asking for help often helps us achieve this. Asking for help is one way we start dismantling the wall of ego 
we built so carefully around ourselves. In reaching out to another, we reach out to the undiscovered best in ourselves. This confirms our commitment to sobriety and is the beginning of that radical change of attitude from beginning the, from being the center of the universe. I wanted to stay in charge. That's why God and healing could never get to me. There are few absolute requirements a prospective sponsor should have, but a period of comfortable sexual sobriety, including progressive victory over lust, is surely a must. Another requirement is that he or she be ahead of us in working the steps. The norm is that men sponsor men and women sponsor women. I just want to point something out. Another requirement is that he or she be ahead of us in working the steps. What does that statement imply? They're sober and they're on a step that we're not there yet. Yes, that we're that they're working the steps and that we are working the steps. I can't be ahead of you on the road to uh, Nashville unless you are on that road and I am on that road. So Roy Roy leaves it to us to kind of fill in the gap sometimes. Bill Bill kind of you know uh, points out you know that that. Uh, we need to be told, told things over and over, or, or that thing. I don't know. Every everybody that I've gone through the steps with, you know, I've got people with advanced degrees who, who such as yourself, who who have very very good ability to read and to uh, analyze. And yet, when it comes to the directions in the big book or the white book, we have an amazing ability to kind of just. All that goes out the window. We read the stuff and, and we're like, "Why?" You know. <laughs> so we're too smart for our good. Well, it's like it's like, but see, but see, the the, the smart to, of breaking down uh, a sentence and in, 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 in realizing what it actually means, it, many times it doesn't occur to us, you know, and and that we need to do, we need to be with ourselves as as if we were with someone who who was just. You know, needed needed everything explained to them. I, I have I have been amazed. Once I, the more I've done this, I've looked at you know this is so simple. You know, you just look at the instruction and, and and you know we got a sponsor. And you know I don't know how many times an addict will 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 say yeah but yeah but this and that and you know talk around an instruction and 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 convince themselves try to convince someone else and at least convince themselves that. They were fine. They were in compliance, even though they, black and white, had not done what the instruction said. And, and uh, you know, our, our resources are, that we have for any other problem seem to somehow slip off, you know, when we're, when we're, when we're do, dealing with something like this. It's, it's a symptom of the disease, I think. So, um, but okay, now here's a, here's a good one. And, and I believe you said this already. Um, we follow direction. I don't know. Okay, the norm is? The norm is that men sponsor men and women sponsor women. We follow direction and make regular contact, meaning face-to-face when possible once a week or more, especially in the beginning. Some newcomers also find daily phone contact very helpful. The one who needs help does the calling and would give up the old idea of being catered to. Now, I think, I think you said that. Didn't you about reaching, having to be the one to yes. reach out? Yes. And that one uh, was difficult for me to, to learn um, because I was so selfish. And 
Having sponsors with our particular form of acting out doesn't seem to matter as much as having those who are incorporating the principles of the steps and traditions in their lives and who walk like they talk. There's a lot of stories about sponsors and sponsees being really, really different from each other and still having a very good um, spiritual connection. So. Why sponsors know that they can't carry the sexaholic? They can only carry the message of their own recovery. Thus, they do not get involved in, in giving advice and bearing responsibility for the other person. Likewise, we do not become dependent on the sponsor in the way we were with parents, spouses, lovers, or even professionals. The goal of a good sponsor, sponsor is the eventual independence and spiritual and emotional maturity of the individual to help the person start walking the right path in the right direction. The wise sponsor will always let the person know that their relationship alone is not enough. The person is going to have to make his or her connection with the group and become part of. Typically, when we come into the program, all kinds of personal problems are uppermost in our mind. Pending separation or divorce, problems of romance, an occupational, health, legal, or money crisis. Most of us felt that if only the problems would go away, we would be okay. But we, what we did not realize was that it is because of and within these very problems that the problem work, that the program works. The program doesn't work in a vacuum. It only works in the day-to-day -day ebb and flow of our lives. Trial, tribulation, and pain are the soul in which the steps can germinate, take root, and find fruitation in our lives. Okay, what are we talking about here? What's this section we're reading about? Getting a sponsor? Yes. Now, the word sponsor isn't mentioned in this paragraph, but since... This is in a program about getting the sponsor. Again, you know, it's like we have all these problems. Uh, divorce, romance, uh, health, job, uh, lawyers, police officers, financial disasters. And it talks about working the program within these situations. One thing, if this is in a chapter about a sponsorship, I think, you know, I think Roy takes it for granted. He doesn't want to insult our intelligence uh, and tell us that all of these problems are good times to do what? Call your sponsor. Call your sponsor. So that's part of a program that works. There was a, you know, there was a um, tradition in AA for many years of people who would not use sponsors because the word sponsor did not appear in the big book. And they, they, they weren't interested in the later literature. That was the original one. They just used the big book and they did not use sponsors. And there aren't many of them around anymore. Um, you have any idea why? Because uh, they over. I I I don't know, but I think that might be part of it. 
You know, um, so it, this just kind of reminds me that the literature that we have is one of the, you know, treasured resources of our fellowship on how to work the program. Another one is the experience and the lives of our members, you know, who have, you know, struggled through difficult problems in life and remained sober by working the program in those situations. And so our experience, you know, there suggests, you know, that that, um, sponsorship is really important. And Roy took care of that problem of, like, sponsor not being in the literature. Well, actually, it's in the 12 and 12 also. So they took care of it in AA also. Bill, Bill did, you know. Uh, sponsors are a really big and important part uh, of recovery. So we've got just a little bit here uh, on 74 and 75. And we can go back to the 18-wheeler. Thus, every problem, no matter how small or great, every crisis, resentment, pain, illness, stress, conflict, depression, any and all of them, without exception, can be turned into good. Every time we feel overwhelmed, our sponsor can point the way out of self-pity, resentment, or fear and onto right thinking, helping us say, I thank God for the good and the seemingly bad as necessary for my growth. They will not, thy will, not mine, be done. The value the sponsor receives if they are where they should be is the experience of working with their own program in a way otherwise impossible. There is something that only working with others can give us. It is, a truly, it is truly a gift, even if the one seeking help is ungrateful or doesn't stay sober. We help, expecting nothing in return, and the measure we, re, we receive is the measure we've given of ourselves to another. And that's also found very clearly on page 94 of the AA Big Book. So, um, okay... Um, why don't we take a break here? It's about halfway through, and we will come back in a moment. All right, so we have a sponsor now, and hopefully we had a sponsor a long time ago. Um, <laughs> hopefully we also have one now. Okay. All right. Number 12. Number 12. Make friends in the program. My sexualism has forced me away from true intimacy. I had become a loner and a love cripple. To recover, I had to begin coming out of isolation and connect with people, but I didn't know how. At first, I was forced to make phone calls to stay sober. Then, as I shared with others in my distress and they shared in their trials with me, a common bond developed. Partners in sobriety, what a boon. It helped change that lonely, gray inner world of the separated self into the bright sunlight of glad times shared together. Victory over lust was not the grim experience I had feared. I was getting connected to life and began to feel impulses of joy. I was beginning to have what my lust had really been looking for. I can't have the inner freedom from the need to lust without this real connection. Okay. So what's happening here? Well, you're connecting. Yeah. And you're, in my opinion, learning, learning yourself. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think that's right. You, you already said in, in what we read from the um, 
uh, uh, thing on sponsorship that that last thing on page uh, 75 that there is something that only working with others can give us and even in my disease I was seeking to connect with others I, I think I was very isolated a loner and a love cripple and that that's definitely describes me but but I was also trying to connect in a diseased way with other people and so I had all these relationships and in the new basis for living, you know, I still have that need to connect with others. I just need to connect with others in such a way that it feeds my recovery and not my disease. And that's when I find all these other things that happen. And so that's why making friends with people in the fellowship is such a a uh, a good a good thing. By the way, I'm going to point something out here. It says. Make friends in the program. Uh, Roy, I think, sometimes uses a program in, in, in a common way, which, which he's talking about the fellowship. Um, the AA literature, especially the, the, the big book in 12 and 12, are very specific. Whenever they say fellowship, they're talking about the group of people. Whenever they say program, they're talking about the 12 steps. Here is... Here are the steps we took which are suggested as a program of recovery. So it says make friends in the program. And you could take that to mean make friends in the fellowship. And I think that's true. But it could also mean literally what it says, make friends in the program. In the, when, when I'm in the program, I'm on a new basis for living. And when I make friends from that place, they don't necessarily have to be in the fellowship. If I am connecting with others from a, a place of health, emotional and spiritual health, then that is just like you said, I learn more who I really am. There is something that working with others or even relating with others uh, can give us that nothing else can. And um, so I think, I think it's very, very important uh, you know, to, to let God lead me to the people that, that, and then let those relationships develop, uh, you know, with, with the program principles. For the first long time, about the only friends I had were people in the program. And, uh, and then at some point, uh, my life led me in a direction where I was, you know, at the university and I was interacting with people who had apparently, you know, a lot of people at graduate school, I think, are quite healthy compared to the people that I uh, normally used to hang out. I mean, I could always find the, the, the unhealthy ones. And, uh, you know, and all I did, but, but a lot of my friends now, you know, they have their little quirks, but, but they seem to, you know, they seem to be much healthier. And so I think that's good, you know, but even though... I never discuss program literature with them or anything like that. I'm still, they're still kind of friends in the program for me because I'm in the program. I mean, I'm in the recovery program and I'm relating to them in that way. So more and more, it, it's a, it's, it's a good thing uh, for my growth and learning, learning who I really am, like you said. Okay. 13. 13. Carry the message of your recovery. 
At first, I began by guardedly taking up, talking about my sexual obsession and desire for recovery to those who gave hints at similar problems. I didn't know this was part of working the 12th step. I was doing it because I wanted to. Then I started sharing the truth of my experience in other meetings. I was going to. Very few ever responded, but the point is it was helping me. Bill W. of AA used to say that 12-step work takes a little money and a lot of time, and I found that being willing to spend a fraction of the time and money on carrying the message of my recovery that I had spent on my habit helped keep me sober. When I get freely of my time and means in this manner, I get back the priceless gifts of freedom from lust plus joy and serenity. In the process, I have also taken the first faltering steps of learning how to love another human being. I couldn't ask for a bigger payoff. You know, I, uh, the the um, the um, this is so true. This is so true. Um, we were talking earlier about uh, how much uh, we missed while we were acting out our diseases and. Um, You know, so much time, so much time was taken, and and in the recovery process, really doesn't take nearly as much time as it took, or nearly as much effort to to uh, as it took to act out. The recovery process is much is the easier and softer way. Um, so. Um, but there's something, you know, the the uh, the disease kind of greases the chute, so to speak, and numbs me out, like you said, you know. And so I don't feel the things that that make normal life challenging. And uh, so, you know, when I'm carrying the message of my recovery. I have, you know, always been afraid because my disease, um, you know, begins with deviant sexuality and it ends with criminal sexual behavior. And uh, I have never wa- wanted to talk about that. You know, uh, I didn't for, for, for 30 years and it nearly killed me. And I think to some degree, I still don't want to. You know, it, it's nothing I'm proud of, but but I have to. And and once I begin, and I begin just when I am describing what God has done in my life to another person, I get the ability, the opportunity to relive what He has done. I have to relive some of what happened before. You know, who I was like, you know, uh, what I was like before, you know, recovery. And, uh, but, but it's a very, very powerful thing. We were talking about sponsors and, and, and carrying the message. There, there's something else here that I'm still learning about. Um, I'm closing my eyes now so I can, because it, it's hard to, picture it, um, but I've had glimpses 
of a chain uh, of the message being handed down from one person to another, you know, like, uh, you know, one person lighting another person's candle and then passing that down um, from, uh, you know, uh, a friend of mine traces it back to Roland Hazard, who goes to see Dr. Young, who, who um, Dr. Young tells them he's hopeless. Uh, without a miracle. He goes to the Oxford groups looking for a miracle. He gets sober. He goes to a guy named Ebby. He, he, he helps get him sober in the Oxford groups, and Ebby remembers his old friend Bill. He goes to see Bill. Bill gets Bob sober. Together they found AA. Uh, many, many people pass the light of recovery down to one another, and then 1974, Roy's in California. And he cries out for help and prays and goes to AA. He finds a solution. SA is born. And, you know, one person at a time, one sexaholic talking to another, it gets down to us. And being a part of that is... You know, most of the time I take it for granted the same way I take oxygen for granted. You know, I never really spend, <clears throat> uh, you know, a lot of time sitting around saying, oh my gosh, what a freaking miracle it is that there's all this oxygen here <laughs> so that I can breathe and that there's all this stuff, you know, that, that gets it everywhere it needs to go inside my body so I don't die. Um, but when I do get a glimpse of that, it's amazing. And it's the same thing with this. You know, there is so much that has happened, you know, of one sexaholic talking to another, reaching out of this impulse not to die. You know, whether it's alcohol or lust. You know, I don't want to die. I must do this. And then it being such a blessing for, for both, both people. You know, that's God's economy. You know, you have one plus one equals a billion. You know, uh, what kind of math is that? <laughs> but, you know, if, you, if you're, if you're uh, you know, you get a piece of that billion, then, hey, man, that's a great math. Yeah. You know, so don't try that with your accounting. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and I guess this gets into, into number four. Yes, and I couldn't ask for a bigger payoff. That's right. Fourteen. 14. Practice taking the actions of love. Negative sobriety, simply not doing it, fizzles out after a while. That's all I had for many months, and that's why one day, with no particular problems and having just told my old high school friend I was a recovered sex drunk, I proceeded to go back out there. I didn't know what hit me. I didn't slip. I fell. The crucial thing about my recovery is that unless I find what my lust is really looking for, I'm not going to make it. Stopping the negatives without connecting with the positive is no good. From the sexaholic like me, it's all or nothing. Half measures avail us nothing. Alcoholics Anonymous says on page 59, and so it is with me. Program people taught me that right thinking never produced right actions. Wait, that's it. Does that right? Yeah. Program people taught me that right thinking never produced right actions, but if I took the right actions, the right thinking and feelings followed. I discovered in sexual sobriety, sobriety that I was 
not inclined to touch my wife except when it was sensual, erotic, or sexual thing. I never touched her simply as a person, a spiritual touch, if you will. But I learned that I took the action of touching her as a person, the feeling of wanting to, fo to follow. The feeling of wanting to follow. I never forgot the first time in sobriety when after the awful separation and chaos, one day I was able to glance into her eyes and reach out and touch her arm and say thank you. How the power of love flowed through the connection. After I took the action, it brought tears to my eyes. Another time, my wife had fixed supper, but my negative emotions had taken control again, and I was, I was on my way out the door to nowhere. I managed to stop long enough to call my sponsor, who gruffly reminded me that it was Sunday and he was busy. None of my sponsors pretended to be saints. In ten seconds, he saw through the problem, self-obsession, and said, sit down and eat your supper, and hung up. Click. <laughs> I mechanically sat down and ate the supper she had prepared for me, and that awful feeling of having to run passed. I took the action and the feeling followed. The greatest opportunity of practicing love is not in meetings, but in my own household, and that's the very place it's hardest to do. It's actually easier for me to pray for, for prostitutes and other SA members than to take actions of love toward my wife and ch children. But I have to do it or I can't break through into life. And I want to live. Another action of love that seems to produce remarkable results is praying for my wife. Again, asking for her the very best that I want for myself. This goes along with one of the above items I'm practicing giving instead of taking. Since I had shut myself up to my spouse as the only sexual expression, I discovered in taking my own inventory that my dependency on her was unhealthy. As a result, I abstained sexually over a considerable period of time with her consent so I could deal with my dependency. Afterward, I concluded I was willing to go without sex completely as long as my dependency was still infected with any aspects of buying and selling. Wife or no wife, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place dependency upon another, uh, upon other people ahead of dependence of God. Alcoholics Anonymous, page 98. Thus, every time I had a negative feeling about my wife, I prayed for her. I didn't feel like doing it, but I did. It worked. But I have to be willing to give up the resentment and forgive. That's where steps six and seven come in. Okay, great. Um... You know, number 13, carry the message, is very often identified with, 12, with the 12th step. Um, but I think a lot of times in, in, the, in the things that I hear, the second part of the 12th step is minimized and tried to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I think that's what Roy is talking about here. Um, uh, in fact, you know, one of the things that he quotes uh, from AA, page 98, is from a chapter called uh, uh, Working with Others. And, and so um, uh, the, the, um, the thing that Roy does here, though, um, you know, is, is he talks about practicing these principles in all our affairs. We hear a lot about taking the actions of love with the newcomer. But he's talking about doing it with his wife, who is, you know, 
not a recovering sexaholic or you know a, um, and 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 I, <laughs> I, I'm no longer married um, uh, and I don't have a tremendous uh, you know uh, amount of, of experience but uh, you know with with this particular type of thing but um, most of my marriage was in my disease very little of it was in my recovery um, but uh, I think the hardest place to practice the principles of the program are at home wherever whatever that means you know I mean I live alone but I still think of this as um, uh, you know in with regards to my family I think I have it easy actually um, I heard Sandy Beach share who is an old uh, AA old timer who's passed away um, I broke his anonymity just now but uh, he always um, um, uh, everyone knows knew him as Sandy Beach um, he he um, there's there's a saying on page 82 of the big book let's go there that's a good place to go it's on 80 it's on 82 or 83 it's on 83 yes it says okay let's go let's start at the bottom of page 82 where it says Uh, let's start in the middle of page 82 where it says, if we have. If we have no such complication, there is plenty we should do at home. Sometimes we hear an alcoholic say that the only thing he needs to do is to keep sober. Certainly he must keep sober, for there will be no home if he doesn't. But if he is yet a long way from making good to the wife or parents whom for years he has so shockingly treated... Passing all understanding is the patient mothers and wives have had with alcoholics. Had this not been so, many of us would not would have no homes today and would perhaps be dead. The alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken, sweet relationships are dead, affections have been uprooted, selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in tur- turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He is like the farmer who came up out of his cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. To his wife, he remarked, Don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand the wind stopped blowing? Yes, there's a long period of reconstruction ahead. We must take the lead. A remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fill the bill at all. We ought to sit down with the family and frankly analyze the past as we now see it, being very careful not to criticize them. Their defects may be glaring, but the chances are that our own actions are partly responsible. So we clean house with the family, asking each morning in meditation that our Creator shows us the way of patience, tolerance, kindness, and love. Kindness. Yeah. And love. The spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. Unless one's, one's family expresses a desire to live upon spiritual principles, we think we ought not to urge them. We should not talk inconsistently to them about spiritual matters. They will change in time. Our behavior will convince them more than our words. We must remember that 10 or 20 years of drunkenness would make a skeptic out of anyone. Okay, thanks. And we also need to remember that if I... Uh, stayed sober for a year or five years or 20 years 
then my family doesn't necessarily owe me something like that, given that that's how I should have been acting all along. You know, so um, <laughs> we, we, we applaud each other in here. Um, but, um, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to, to uh, keep it in mind that our, we, we probably owe our families more than they owe us. Um, but I was at a conference once where Sandy Beach uh, was taking questions. He had, he had done a lot of speaking, and, and, um, and now he was taking questions. Um, and one fellow said, you know, I love AA, and I work the program with the sponsor, and I've been sober since XXX, and I, and I think it's great. But, you know, I read this, this it, it, the spiritual life is not a theory, we have to live it. I come home from work two hours late because I got a last minute, uh, you know, memo from my boss saying I need this now. And the house is a wreck. There are four kids from ages six to 16, and the middle two are throwing stuff at each other. And the, uh, my wife is in, in, in the uh, kitchen uh, screaming at the oldest uh, because uh, dinner is burnt uh, because of something that, 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 that the oldest did. And, you know, I, I am I'm coming home needing a break, and I walk into this. How do I practice the principles in this situation? And Sandy Beach says, well, you know, until you practice the principles in this situation, the spiritual life is a theory. And everyone laughed. But, you know, I mean, it's very true. Um, this is the hardest place, uh, the place closest to where we live. The program is practiced most when nobody's watching. And how do I live when nobody's watching? Or how do I live when it's just my family? Or how do I live when I'm in the car and I know that the other drivers aren't going to, you know, be able to <laughs> tell my friends how awful I acted? You know, how do I act then? And um, it, it, it is a great, uh, you know, it... it this thing of practicing these principles in all our affairs. I used to have secrets, um, very shameful secrets of what I did when the lights went out and I, and I was certain nobody was watching. Well, I still have those, those hours and those moments where the lights go out and nobody's watching. What do I do then? How do I spend my time then? And I think more than anything, that that is 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 the hard part about about the uh, the program of recovery. When you know when I come the hour when I come to the meeting is the easiest part. You know I sit up. You know I I I, I had great sponsors. I've I've had fantastic sponsorship. So yeah, I mean I can give myself a little credit for for uh, you know seeking them out and doing what was willing, <laughs> uh, being willing to do what was necessary to to have them for sponsors. But you know that that was all you know to my benefit. And and so I've heard some great stuff. And so I can spout it in meetings, and then I go home. 
And and so, you know, the 23 hours between meetings, if I go to a meeting every day, which I no longer do, you know, the the uh, those other days, those other hours are, are the hard part. And and so this is practice these principles in all our affairs. How do I act with the people who know me the most, the people who aren't fooled by my spiritual platitudes or whatever? Not not that not that that's all a lie. It's not a lie. I mean, it's true. It's not it's not about me though. It's about what God and SA has done and, and changed my life. And my family can see that. But they still the people that have to deal with me on a day by day basis. You know, that is harder. And so I always have these places where I can practice taking the actions of love. And so these types of uh, things that Roy is describing here, I think, are, are very, um, uh, you know, pertinent um, to the 12th step. Um, you know, trying to practice these principles in all our affairs. And, and it gets back to step six and seven, but these principles are the steps. So uh, the 12th step is about applying all the other steps as well as carrying the message. So anyway, that might be my last sermon for today. So <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> anyway. You got anything to um, to add? You know, I just um, you know we were talking about six and a half, six months of sobriety, and and all these points that we talked today of practicing actions of love and making friends in the program, uh, learning yourself. I'm, I'm I'm starting to see that, and it's. It's a great feeling, and it's encouraging, and, um, you know, it just shows that they works. Amen, amen, and I'm glad you said that, because I was going to ask you if I could say it. Uh, uh, for those listening, Lee has six months of sobriety today. What? Yay, Lee! <laughs> oh, okay, all right, so we'll, we'll, so no chips for, yeah, right. okay, all right, well, okay, but we can still celebrate, like you say, I mean, I, 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 I've not yet met somebody who was entirely rid of all their character defects, and many of us can, at one time or another, get puffed up about sobriety if we're fortunate enough to have it. Um, uh, I know it's happened to me um, on more than one occasion, but this isn't a society for getting puffed up about our sobriety. That's not what we do in SA. I mean, that might be a side effect of our, us being sexaholics and need, need of further treatment. Um, but the real thing that we, we're celebrating is what SA, what God and SA have done for us. And it's part of our stories that this has happened. So the fact that you have stayed sober for six months is a miracle. Because I saw you come in here, and I saw you <laughs> come in here giving a false name. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't even tell us your real name. Yeah, sorry. And and you struggled, uh, like you said, with with the with the phone calls and with sharing and with getting a sponsor and working the steps. And you know you had lust on one end, uh, you know, uh, and and you've gotten to the point to where you have are doing, following these instructions, and you're getting the changes, 
you know, it doesn't mean that we never struggle with lust, but, you know, what was it like? What's it like today compared to what it was like uh, then? You know, that's what we, we, we were here to do is to say what we used to be like, what happened and what we are like now, not it. A lot of people say it, what, what it was like, you know, but it didn't change. We changed. And so what 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 were you like uh, six months ago? You know, it's it's black and white. It's day and night. I mean, I was, you know, I was a selfish, moody, um, dark individual, you know. Um, and a lot of that's still there, but it's slowly getting chipped away, you know, come to this program. And, um, I'm a lot happier. I'm a lot calm, a lot more calmer. It's amazing how this works if we work it, if we follow the directions. And so that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to go through the literature and look for the directions. And, and you know, if, if the people who wrote the literature did something, we're going to try and do it. And if the people uh, observe something, we're going to try to observe it. And as it says in the AA Big Book, you know, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. So, um by the time anyone hears this, you will have uh, six months by God's grace. And so we can have anonymous people around the world <laughs> clapping for you. That's right. And um, let's keep coming back. This is a good uh, place to, to finish up. Um, so let's stand uh, and close with the Lord's Prayer. Prayer. Our, Our Father, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Reprieve, the best source for experience, strength, and hope for SA members. Please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes. Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening, and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.